We're glad you're joining us for a new beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. Get more encouraging audio content when you subscribe to Pastor Greg's daily devos. Learn more and sign up at harvest.org. The Lord says you shall have no other gods before me. We break this commandment of having another God before him when we define God as we want him to be instead of by who he is. Someone has said God created man and then man returned the favor. Pastor Greg Laurie says we need to remember God is God and we're not. The idea is not to change God into my image. It's to change me into his image. And we get this turned around. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. The military has specific ranks among its service members. Admirals and generals, captains and colonels, sergeants and petty officers. It's a chain of command, and there's never any doubt who's in charge in any situation. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps Christian soldiers realize their chain of command. It's basic, essential truth spelled out clearly in the Ten Commandments. Today, we're studying these top ten instructions from God. The Ten Commandments. Why were they given? Well, first of all, they give us absolute truth to build our lives on. We can't just say we all make up our own morality as we go. We can't vote on this or reach consensus. We need a higher authority, and God has given this to us in what we call the Ten Commandments. But understand, they're not there to make your life harder. They're there to make your life better They're not the bars of a cage keeping you in. They're barriers of protection keeping evil out. And if I live by them, I'll be a happy person and I'll be a fulfilled person. But just a footnote, no one can keep these commandments in their own ability. We'll all break them. There's only one man who has ever walked the earth that has kept all 10 commandments. And that man is me. And I'll be dealing with this next Sunday in my message called Humility and How I Found It. No. (laughs) That man is not me. There is no man or woman that's done it. The only person who has kept all those commandments is Jesus. The rest of us, the commandments show me that I need Jesus. They open my eyes to my shortcomings and my sinfulness. So let's review the first two commandments again. Exodus chapter 20. Here's commandment number one. The Lord says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two. The Lord says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Now why does God ask this of us? Here's the answer. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So commandment number one, have no other gods before him. A lot of things can become gods with a small g or idols in our life. 
For some people it's their body. It's all about the way they look. For others it might be an object. Maybe you drive your idol. Object, career, house. How weird would it be to leave the Lord for an object? And that brings us to the second commandment. You shall have no graven images. Verse four. Or a likeness of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath. You think, well, how could this happen? Well, let's talk about when it did happen. Back in the days of Moses and the Israelites. So Moses was a great man of God, wasn't he? Wasn't a flawless man or a perfect man, as we'll see later. But he was described as Moses, the man of God. Man, I can't think of a higher compliment to be given to a person than for someone to say, you know what? That person is a man of God. That that woman, she's a woman of God. Moses was the man of God. And through his influence, his godly influence, and his personal integrity, he effectively kept two to three million people from turning to full-tilled idolatry. And the reason I say this is the moment he left the scene, all hell broke loose. And he was summoned by the Lord up to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments and he left Aaron in charge, his brother, which was a big mistake. So while Moses is gone, the people come to Aaron and in Exodus 32, we read the people said to Aaron, how long is it gonna take Moses to come back down from the mountain? Then they said to Aaron, come on, make us some gods that can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. They're basically saying to Aaron, you know what, uh, we don't know where Moses is. We need something tangible we can worship right here, right now. So Aaron, instead of discouraging this, says, all right, bring, bring all your bling to me right now. All your rings, your earrings, everything. All your jewelry. And he melted it down and he put it in the shape of a golden calf. Now that makes no sense to us today, golden calf. Well, they worshiped those back in Egypt. They had lots of gods. So sort of brought an Egyptian God and then Aaron boldly announces, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And so they stripped off their clothes and they danced before the golden calf. So here comes Moses now, descending from Mount Sinai, imagine, holding the Ten Commandments. And what does he see? He sees the Israelites breaking the first two commandments, actually probably more than the first two. But at least the first two. False gods worshiping this thing. He demands an explanation from Aaron. Aaron says, I know this looks bad. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're thinking. We're naked in front of a false god dancing. and uh, But I can explain everything. And then he offers an excuse that should be in the excuse hall of fame. He actually says, I'll tell you what Moses, what happened was the people brought their gold, we threw it into the fire and this gold calf came out, so what else could we do but have an orgy? Um, well, he's lying. That's not what happened at all. And of course, this was a very clear illustration of what happens when we put something in the place of God. And they broke the commandments of God. God has given us these standards for our own good. We can't do a do-it-ourself version of God. And here's another way that we make another God. It's not just a little object we make in worship. 
It can be a mental change we make because we're not satisfied with God as He's presented in the Bible. Here's how you will know maybe you have another God before Him. You make statements like, well, my God would never judge a person. And my God would never tell a person they can't live any way that they choose to live. And my God, hold on, your God? Guess what, it doesn't sound like your God is the God of this book. Therefore, it's not a real God, so you just created a false God in your own mind. It actually doesn't exist. And here's my question, can your God save you in the final day? Because if that fake God or that distorted God is not the true God, then you have no God. And so this is what can happen. And we, we can do this with the Lord Himself. We break this commandment of having another God before Him when we define God as we want Him to be instead of by who He is. Ladies, it would be like saying to your friends, well, you know, you haven't met my husband yet, but he's amazing. He's 6'4". He looks like Jack on This Is Us. And uh, he loves to go antiquing with me. Reality, your husband is 5'2". He wears penny loafers and he works in IT. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's who your husband is. You should love your husband. But the problem that you have, it seems, is that you have to reimagine your husband to love him. And you should accept him as he is. So we come to God and say, well, I don't know. I think my God wouldn't be this way and my God wouldn't say this thing. No, he comes as he is and we need to worship him and not try to change him. The idea is not to change God into my image. It's to change me into his image. And we get this turned around. Here's how you know if you're reimagining God and making a false God. Does your so-called God ever ask anything of you that you find it hard to give? Does your so-called God ever tell you something is wrong? Never. Then you probably have a false God. Because if you're following the God of the Bible, there are times I come to verses and I'll say, ah, oh, that's, that's not an easy one. I have to literally forgive that person? Really? Yes, really. That's what it means to be a Christian. You know, there's these, a trend in some restaurants is to kind of create your own meal as you go. Chipotle. Didn't that make you hungry for Chipotle just when I said Chipotle? <laughs> it did me. <laughs> the first time I went, I was like perplexed. What's going on here? Someone said, you make your own meal. Oh, wow. What kind of tortilla do you want? I, I don't know. Okay, now do you want rice? Do you want beans? And we have two kinds of beans and we have pork and we have chicken and we have beef. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So I'm putting it all together and the cheese and, and then the cilantro and then the hot sauce. And, and you know, but by, honestly, by the time I was done, my burrito was like the size of a sleeping bag. It was huge. <laughs> but then I went to Blaze Pizza. You ever been there? Make your own pizza? Why are you more excited about food today? What's up with that? Uh, so now you can put your own toppings on it. I thought, this is great. So I put all kinds of weird stuff on my pizza. And when I ate it, I thought, this is a bad pizza. <laughs> I actually like it when it's just pepperoni and cheese. I'm actually good with that combination. I don't know about you. I love those things together. So we come to God. We had all this stuff. We remove other stuff. That's not the way it works. He comes as He is, and we should worship Him for who He is. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. 
Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here, and I want to personally invite you to the Harvest Ministries Israel Tour. April 9 to 19, 2024. Listen, this is your chance to walk in the steps of Jesus, literally in what we call the Holy Land. Learn more at israel.harvest.org. Shalom. Well, we're basing our study on the Ten Commandments today, found in Exodus chapter 20. Pastor Greg's message title, Ten, Part Two, No Other Gods. These commandments are for our own good. Some people will say, well, you know what? I'm not into organized religion. This will be usually the same person who says, my God would never say thus or so. I'm not into organized religion. What the heck does that even mean? And a lot of people say it. I'm not into organized religion. So you're into disorganized chaos? What are you into? And here's what they really mean when they say organized religion. I'm not into commandments. I'm not into absolutes. I'm not into right and wrong. I'm into what I want to be into. But imagine if we took that same philosophy and just applied it in life. An airline pilot got into the cockpit and said, you know what, dude, Like, I don't like all these dials and stuff. I just imagined he would talk like that. And uh, I don't think I need to look at maps. Let's just get in this thing and go, man. Okay, get me out of that plane. You're a lunatic, right? You have to follow the rules of aviation. I heard a story about a, a blonde lady who was flying. Why are you laughing? Is it funny to be a blonde lady? So a blonde lady's flying and the pilot keeled over and died. So she calls down to the flight controller, Mayday, Mayday, my pilot is dead. The air traffic controller said, don't worry, I'll talk you through this. Then he said, what is your height and position? She said, I'm 5'4 and I'm in the plane. <laughs> he said, repeat these words after me. Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> All the blonde people are mad at me now. How dare you? I was blonde once, by the way, when I had hair. No, he's given us these standards for our own protection. And we can make objects into idols. Take a crucifix. Yeah, I have a crucifix. I carry it around. Okay, nothing wrong with having a crucifix. But if I have a, a crucifix on a table, and when I pray, I get down on my knees in front of the crucifix with the candles burning. I say, what's going on here? Oh, well, I, these things help me to worship. Well, I don't think any true child of God who has Christ living in their life should need objects to help them to worship. You see? Now, that doesn't mean you have to trash your nativity sets and throw out your little angel ornaments from your Christmas tree. It's okay to have these objects of beauty, but you don't need those things to worship the true God because Jesus said God is a spirit and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we'll make, like it's a religious icon. Oh, well this will keep bad things away. It's good luck. I, I keep my crucifix in my pocket along with my rabbit's foot. Poor rabbit. Three-legged rabbit. Like why, why? Someone call PETA, you know, so. 
What about my needs? Um, But you don't want to make some object into a good luck charm. Sometimes even with the Bible we'll say, never put another book on top of the Bible. Never write in your Bible. That's sacrilegious. No, please write in your Bible. I encourage you to write in your Bible. Now I know the Bible is a powerful symbol. If you don't believe me, just pull one out in a public place and watch what happens. I don't mean open the app on your iPad. I mean pull out a legitimate Bible with ribbons and gold pages. People know what this book is. Remember a few years ago we did a campaign for our crusade and it was a picture of me holding the Bible up like this. And immediately there were complaints about who is that ugly man and why is he on that poster? And that was from my wife which is sad. No, the complaints were, why is he holding up a Bible? The funny thing is it didn't say Bible on the book I was holding up. That book could have been anything. But because it was a black book, the symbolism was understood and it offended people to see someone holding up a black book. It became a national news story. Which actually worked in our favor, to be honest with you. What is in the Bible is holy. What is in the Bible is the very words of God. But don't make this book some holy object like I carried around it. It has special magic charms. No, no, it's just a book. You have to read it. More importantly, live by what it says. That's where the power of the Bible is. I like a beat up Bible. In fact, a Bible that's falling apart is usually an indication of a life that isn't. So write in your Bibles. Use your Bibles. And don't make an idol out of your Bible. Don't put anything in the place of God. Because it will give you a false concept of what God is really like. If the image is false and the thought of God is false, it will produce a character that is false. In Psalm 115 verse 6, Speaking of idols, it says, They have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. Those who make them become like them. Listen, a man or a woman will become like the thing they worship. And if you worship the Lord, you'll become like Him. And isn't that the objective of the Christian life? To become like Christ. The best thing to do is get rid of your idols. And there might be an idol in your life right now. Remember, your God is anyone or anything that takes the place of the true God. It could be a relationship that's pulling you away from Christ. Because you're so concerned about what that person thinks, it's more important than the Lord Himself. And they're keeping you from Jesus. For another person, it could be an, an object, something you value above all other things. And, and you're more passionate about that than you are the Lord Himself. It could be your money, it could be your body. And whatever you try to fill your heart with, if it's not Jesus, you're going to keep coming up empty. But God wants you to be happy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. Just do it in the right way. And the way to be happy is by knowing the Lord. And then when you know the Lord, He gives you His parameters. He gives you the absolutes to live by. And I don't do these things because I have to. I do these things because I want to. Because I have this exclusive relationship with the Creator of the universe. That's what it's all about. And God has demonstrated this love to us in a tangible way. By sending His Son Jesus 
What greater sacrifice could a father make than to offer up his own son? And the father did that for you and for me when Jesus went and died on the cross. Why? For your sin. Because every one of us have broken the commandments. Every one of us have sinned against God. And the Lord knew there was no other way that we could enter into this relationship together. So he made the ultimate sacrifice and put the judgment that should have come upon you and upon me on his perfect son Jesus who never sinned and Christ died in our place and rose from the dead and now stands at the door of our life and knocks. And he says, if we'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. So right now, Jesus is saying, I want this relationship with you. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to bring you the happiness you've been seeking in life. And I want you to join me in heaven one day. And what you need to do is say, Lord, I want that to come into my life. In a moment, we're going to pray. And I'm going to extend an invitation for anybody here, wherever you are, if Jesus is not living inside of you, he can come in right here, right now. In a moment we're gonna pray and I'll extend this invitation and if you need Jesus today, please respond. Let's all pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place and then to rise. Now I pray for any person that is here or is watching wherever they are. If they don't know you, if they don't have this relationship with you yet, let them come to you now. Help them to see their need for you, we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change today in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg will help you in just a moment before we wrap up today here on A New Beginning. Well, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned that there are other documentaries on the life of Johnny Cash, but your new movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, is the only one that tells Johnny's story from a spiritual perspective. That's right. I think you've called it an evangelistic documentary. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Johnny have wanted his story told from that context? Oh, I think so. In fact, I'm sure of it. His sister, Joanna Cash Yates, said of the book and of this film— this is the best thing ever done about my brother. Because mm. Johnny was very upfront about his faith. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted people to know about Jesus. And from the beginning of his life to the very end, he was talking about his faith in Christ. And so this comes out in this film that we've done. But listen, why don't I let you listen to Johnny himself? Now, this is a recording of Johnny talking about a time in his life when he was really despondent. In fact, he didn't even know if he wanted to live anymore. So he went into this cave called the Nickajack Cave, and he went in as far as you can go. This is a really deep, long cave. People have actually gone into this cave and never come out again. Hmm. And he tells a story of how he encountered God in this cave. This is from our film, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American icon. Give a listen. In that cave in Chattanooga, I was as far away from God that, that I had ever been, could ever be. I went into this cave and uh, kept walking and crawling and climbing until my light had run out. 
every fiber of my being totally exhausted. And I lay there in the darkness, the end of the line. I lay there to die. And in the darkness, uh, laid down and basically gave up his life, gave up everything. Then the, the urging came over me to get up and start crawling. I don't have any idea how long I crawled. And it was like this feeling came over me that, uh, that he wanted to speak to my heart. You do not control your destiny. It's my will that you do not die now. Finally, I felt the wind. Before long, I saw a light, the entrance to the cave. And God's love brought him back. A moving moment from the film Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. And you know, God's love brought Johnny back time after time. It's such an inspiring film. And what a great source of hope for parents of prodigal children or for the spouse of a prodigal, or for the prodigal himself or herself who is searching. Well, we want to send you a copy of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon on DVD, along with a streaming code so you can watch on your tablet or phone or computer. We're sending it to say thank you for your partnership that allows us to bring Pastor Greg's studies to you each day. So get in touch today with your investment. Call 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned how someone can become a Christian with just a simple prayer. That's right. Maybe somebody would like to do that right now. Could you help them with that? Sure. I'd love to. A simple prayer is right. In fact, I would like to just pray a prayer, and I would ask you to pray it after me right now. Pray these words, Lord Jesus. I know that I am a sinner, but I also know that you are the Savior because you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for answering this prayer, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture, God Almighty has heard your prayer, and He will answer this prayer. You are now a newly minted child of God, so congratulations. You've made the right decision, and welcome to the family of God. I want to send you a special gift because of that prayer you've just prayed. It's called the New Believers Growth Packet. And in it is a copy of the New Testament in a very understandable translation called the New Living Translation. It also is filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've made to follow Christ. And there's some other outstanding materials in this little packet I'll send you as well. So order your copy today and let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that New Believers Growth Packet, just get in touch and we'll be glad to send it right out. Just call us at 1-800-821-3300. 
We can take your call anytime, night or day, at 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org and click the two words, Know God. Hey, everybody, what are you doing this weekend? I'd like to hang out with you at Harvest at Home. What is Harvest at Home? It is a time of worship and Bible study exclusively designed for people that are viewing in from all over the place. So you can be a part of our extended congregation at Harvest at Home. Join us this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, for Harvest at Home at Harvest.org. Well, next time, we'll continue with Pastor Greg's practical look at the biblical wisdom found in the Ten Commandments. His message is called, What's the Big Deal with God's Name? Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. A New Beginning is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. If this show has impacted your life, share your story, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, and help others find hope.